Welcome to Beerfield. I am your host at Beerfield Hop with two P's, Chris Hopper, joined by at Beerfield Three at Ryan Miner under FFB, a little bit under the weather, so he is taking the night off. So you get the two of us, just like old times sake. We can do that. We can just take the night off. What is uh, that like? Well, I can't. I, either of you two can, as long as I'm present. But I, I really can't. If I, I mean, if I'm not I mean, here. We've things... done episodes. We've done an episode without you, and I've done episodes without you. It does not go well. As long as it's under 45 minutes, right? <laughs> Wolf, that was bad. Yeah. Yep, it sure was. Uh, we're back from the draft, so there's no episode last week because we were there. We're going to be a full recap on that experience. We're going to discuss Lamar, Swift, um, and Odell in the new segment. And then we're going to go through kind of our draft reaction episode. We're going to talk about, you know, there are some guys that landed really, really well. that got a higher DC than we thought that maybe weren't on radars. There are some guys that slid, um, some guys that slid, but still landed in a good spot. So we're going to just going to kind of take a, a casual look at all that and, and try to try to break it down some as we uh, put a bow on or nearly a bow on the 2023 NFL draft. So uh, that is all presented by the FF Faceoff. Uh, and we're going to drink beer now. What's fueling beer fueled? At beer fueled on Twitter. Send your get well wishes to at Beerfield on Twitter, but then tag at Ryan Miner underscore FFB in, <laughs> in them with uh, a Jim Bob Cooter. Hashtag get well, Jim Bob. Oh my God. Because we need him to really pick up the pace in the 70 round dynasty, dynasty startup. 70 round. What fucking. By the way, if you're looking. decided to start a, a yeah. 70 round startup draft. If you're looking for a fun drinking game. Throw every stupid rule you can think of to have in Dynasty or good rule you can think of to have in Dynasty and then just do a startup with it. We did that, and we ended up at a 70-round, two-kicker, two-tight-end, three-quarterback league. With a full roster of IDP. Yes, with full IDP. So with full IDP. <laughs> and we're talking bench spots, and Nick, because he was down there with us, was like, 40? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's then, when it then, set in. Now, when I look back and I'm like, we could probably get away with shaving off uh, 15 bench spots. 25 yeah. would have been, we'll, we'll been fine. We'll see. But that's what we do here. We do extremely outrageous startups. Oh, yeah. Beer. Beer. I am. Uh, I'll start. I am drinking. <laughs> shocking. I, I, I haven't done a distilled beer in a while. This is the uh, the spicy uh, variant of our oh, dill yeah. pickle sour. So, um, nice. My boss got me. Uh, we had a trial can. He gave me an extra one before. Uh, it should be getting packaged here this month. So, all of our fans who love the dill pickle sour, the spicy one should be hitting shelves shortly. But yeah, I'm well, excited. I don't, I don't work for a brewery, but I got a lot of friends that do, and I'd probably the most at this brewery. So I'm drinking stubborn German, um, which could be considered a home of sorts for me. I'm just like distillers for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I am drinking their Waterloo wheat. Uh, these two were given to me, not for the show, but because I have to try to replicate this beer as part of one of our club competitions. So it's not improve on it or anything like that. I have to try to replicate it. So as I start recipe crafting, I'm drinking through this first can and I'll, you know, kind of 
hit a little bit on the process. Uh, I should probably say what it is, too. Waterloo Wheat's a, a traditional German Hefeweizen. So nice. Um, yeah. So we'll go through that um, and kind of the process of a Hefeweizen and what, you know, what I'm picking out. And yeah, we'll discuss it. So let's go ahead and get into some of this news here. All right. So first things first, Lamar was the biggest news of the weekend. That dropped while we were on the drive down there. That uh, dropped while we were or you guys well, were on the drive there. I was already there. Yeah. You were there. We were on the drive down. We we actually watched Adam Scheffner tweet it from his booth. Yeah. We didn't actually know that he was doing, but yeah, we figured it out. So it's a five year deal for Lamar. Um, what was it, a hundred and eighty five million guaranteed? 185 guarantee, 260. 260 in total, because it was five million total. more than her. Two is at 255. Yeah. Um all's well, the ends well is my take on this. Yeah. Um when the Jalen Hurts deal dropped, that took the that kind of reset the market from whatever the hell happened with Watson. It became we don't talk a, about Watson. Yeah, it became a this is an outlier. So when the Hurts deal dropped, it... 40 million less than what Watson got a year or not a year, but guaranteed essentially it reset the market and players do have a lot of respect for each other and what they've done and kind of, you know, teams and players will use other players performances to, you know, justify or not justify why they get what they get. So Jalen hurts getting that kind of money, kind of like we'd hypothesized on the hypothesized on the show. Um, really kind of laid the framework from the Lamar deal, and that's why they're so close together. Yes, Lamar has a higher guaranteed value. It's the most guaranteed ever given to a quarterback. It's only about like $5 million. So not huge. You got a former MVP going up against a former conference champion that participate, you know, that played has played in the Super Bowl. So, you know, pretty comparable there. Five-year deal, um, no trade clause, no tag clause. So I didn't know if you'd heard those two things yet. No. But I just saw those today. It's no trade clause and a no tag clause. I mean, I mean, the no trade is, I think it's just pretty much set in stone for quarterbacks of their caliber. Mm-hmm. That's just to protect them from, you know, from bad moves. But again, no trade clauses are generally... Yeah, no tag clauses. Who cares, really? One. Yeah, the no tag one, like you said, it's that one's. I don't think one, I've seen I, that I, before. I've never heard of it. I'm sure it's happened in deals that just doesn't get brought up. Mm-hmm. That's that's fun. That could be how Lamar changes the market too with that no tag clause. Yeah, but that is fun. That's it's like good. a whole. That's a high profile player. It might not just be the quarterback. You can see a yeah. guy like you know Justin Jefferson's due for. His contract extension soft season. You know, you can see different positions getting that that type of 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 wording now too. Yeah. Um five year deal, I think it protects the Ravens against some of that injury concern or degradation concern with the way that Lamar plays. Um long term, looking at the dead cap, it does reduce every year. Um 2028-2029 are actually so it's a five year deal. One, two, three, four. What the hell is at the end of this? Are those void years? 
five year, two hundred sixty million, seventy two point five signing bonus, hundred eighty five guaranteed. Uh, base salary seven point five, signing bonus seventy two point five, cap at a twenty two, dead cap of one twelve. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it starts this year. Twenty twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty twenty eight and twenty twenty nine are void years. So that's why it's a five year deal. Deal. They're auto void years that they did for cap reasons to spread it out. So it's only a twenty two million dollar cap hit this year. Which is insane. It peaks the last two years of the deal at seventy four point five million. I mean, at that point, it's it's structured for extensions. Like you'll, yeah, there players of their caliber of this caliber. They they never play out these full deals. They're always extending, uh, restructuring. Yes, everything. Yeah, um, and they'll have to. It's a seventy four point five million cap hit the last two years of the deal. They don't void. So they'll have to, um, but yeah, dynasty. This is this is good because he's locked in. You get some solidification there. Just props to both sides. Lamar getting no tag clause without an agent. He ended up doing pretty well, and I'm I'm honestly happy that after the hurt deal dropped, both sides just kind of came in sensibly and you know said, "All right, he just got this. You're close. We'll give you a little bit more to make you the highest paid. We'll put some language in there that you want. We'll get the deal done." And they did. Mm-hmm. So we got a question. We do. Bama in the chat. I lost you. My shit. Yeah, I know. Bama in the chat. Uh, 10 team super flex. Uh, PPR, no premium. Looking for for sure smash sell. Looking for a for sure, looking for a for sure smash style Bijan deal. Or will I just take him? So so here's the offer for his 101. Dak the 108 in a 24 first. I don't think. With the 101 and Mac Jones. So you have, let me restructure this. So it's 101 and Mac Jones on one side. And you have Dak the 108 in a 24 first. Which side do you want? Uh, 10 team super flex. Uh, PPR, no tight end premium. So as always, I'll preface this with it kind of depends on where the teams are at. How high is that 24 first? And, um, but, and you know, who's competing, who's not. I lean no a bit. Um, I don't think there's enough DC there. I don't, I don't like moving back to eight from one, I think is what it is. Even with, with that, even with like, getting Dak, even with the upgrade from Jones to Dak. Um, that is a significant upgrade, but again, not knowing the rest of the roster. So if you just put this in a vacuum, you know, yeah, it's an upgrade from Jones to Dak. I still don't like moving back that far in the draft. You know, if my team's relatively good, then sure. But yeah. So 108, it's going to probably be Zay Flowers, yeah, which one. typically is the fourth receiver off the board. Yeah, we went over this when we were there too. Um, because obviously all three quarterbacks are but gone. Both here's the thing, right? Are gone and then it's 101 and a super flex. So if you're upgrading to Dak, why don't you just take a longer term upgrade and what are the two quarterbacks? So he has Mahomes and Watson. So you have Mahomes, Watson, and Dak. Okay, so it's your third. So it'd be your third quarterback. Which I Watson be yeah, Watson be his third QB. Obviously, because Dak, I think, I think, I think you and I would be in agreement that Dak's headed Watson right now. Yeah, but I would yeah. also think be 
you know, I don't know that I don't know where you're at. I'm not sold that B Bijan's consensus one oh one because people are saying he's consensus one oh one talent wise. I'm not sold on I, I have one oh ones and I'm not sold on B John as, as you saw in our startup, I did not take Bijan as the first rookie. Yeah. It's not it's not what we think. It's pretty much what everyone's been told. You you are paying right. Bijan prices for the one oh one. That that is like like you're not paying for, Shroud prices, you're not playing young prices, you're not playing Richardson prices, you're playing Beijing prices. Beijing prices, and that's how I value this. I, I, it's not a smash for me, that's for damn sure. If he's looking for a smash, it's not a smash. <laughs> Could you talk me into it? Yeah, but I don't look at that and say, I'm smashing this. I don't, I don't hate it. I want to know where the 24 first, where that's projected to land. Because, mm-hmm. get remember, just because you get Bijan doesn't mean you're an automatic playoff team. So if the person buying Bijan, maybe their roster is, isn't very strong or they're a French team, whatever. Right. So it's based if that if that if that twenty four so, first is gonna be mid, I I'm I'm I don't hate it. Yeah. There's other deals you can make, right? You're not drafting your team. But do you feel giddy about right that? Now. Do you feel like that's a smash, though? Like, because I, I feel smash, the trade is like, pretty fair. I I think the trade is pretty fair. Because when I hear smash, I feel when I hear smash, like I want to smash except on something. That means like I I see it and I'm immediately giddy about it. Not I need to take time to analyze it and then say, okay, yeah, that's fair. Okay, so Bama thinks this mid. I yeah. I think the way that Bama put it in the chat is like this I, is I, a smash except this is. He would like to move Bijan. Is this deal worth that? And I think the trade's pretty fair. What knowing what we're getting from Dak. It's the definition of mid, right? It's fair. Yeah. Which is fair. I know. But the 24 first is mid, is what I'm saying too. Oh. Abama said that the 24 first is projected to be a mid round pick, which in a 10 team, you know, that's 104 through the 107, 108. So, yeah. I, I don't, I don't. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. If the premise of this is a QB upgrade from Jones to Dak, I am, and then yeah, you get flowers and whatever you get in twenty four. I would rather just spend the pick on a quarterback or try to trade back maybe less far if Beejan's going to be consensus one. That's where I'm at with it. If I you're don't not ta- love it, here's the I, thing: I don't hate yeah. it, but I don't yeah. love it. If you're not taking Beejan in one one, trade back. Because people are going like again, it's not about what you and I would do. Because you and I, are, I right. think, are against consensus on it, and it's yeah, not because are. I don't love Bijan or, or you don't love Bijan. It's just I also I value quarterbacks pretty heavily in super flex leagues, and I, I and especially ones that are look like Anthony Richardson. So that's just where I land. But if if the idea is to move back and try to capitalize and gain more you know, currency and upgraded in other positions. You could do worse in this deal. I probably, I like, I haven't seen a lot of trades because trading for the one oh one or for the right to draft Bijan, it's been very minimal. Like I, I say that and a rookie draft. I am. I just started yesterday, saw the first three picks traded. So mm-hmm. let me pull up. Let me pull were. up this league and I'll, I'll pull up the trades. I actually had the 103 and I traded the 103. Well, uh, the 203. And yeah, anyways, did, let did me pull I, up the trades. I did a 101 trade too, didn't I? You did. Let me pull that one up as well. That was in 
So here's the 101 trade. It was Jonathan Taylor and the 109 for the 101 in the 311. Yeah. So swaps, right? So You're Taylor, swapping. And Taylor and the 109 for the 101 and the 311. Yeah. So move back eight spots, acquired Taylor. Which, which is three years older. Honestly, Beechen. yeah. <laughs> this, like, with the role that he's probably going to play with Atlanta with Arthur Smith, yes. like what I would expect, you know, this year is he- heavy carries, Ritter, mobile esque. Maybe you won't get a lot of checkdowns. So at least, yeah. So when I traded, guessing. Back, I traded back in Superflex, and I got, I gave up the two hundred eight and the one hundred one to get back the 104, the 202, and Waddle. So I moved back three spots in the first round. I moved up six spots in the second round, and I got Jalen Waddle back. Yeah, I I, I like both sides. I, I do like your side more because you're going to end up with two. You'll end up with Waddle, and this is a super flex league, so you'll end up, I'll end up with, Waddle with one and... of the three quarterbacks or Gibbs, whichever one you prefer. Yeah. Which will be one of the three quarterbacks. Plus, at that two hundred two, I'm going to be looking. If I look at my top fifty, I'm going to be looking in. You know, Kendra Miller, A. Chain, Hyatt, Kincaid territory, right? So, yeah, Hyatt just went in this draft at the. Hold on, <laughs> you're going you're to laugh at this. I think you, I, uh, uh, I think you might be very high at Hyatt. Hyatt went uh, the three hundred three in this league. No shit. <laughs> We're going to talk about him a little bit later, so I'll save my opinion there. Yeah, there's some guys. I, I'm not as high on him as you are, but I also, uh, I'm also i also half paying attention. Well, I'm not done filling in this top 50, too. Once I push him down, I'll probably be in the mid-second. So. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, anyway, I so the consensus on that, Bama, is Dan likes it, would probably take it. I don't want to move back quite as far, and I would probably – I don't hate it, but – I probably would want to get a little bit more out of it. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. And we covered Lamar. So let's talk Odell. Not really a lot to get into with Odell. Uh, as part of enticing Lamar, the Ravens did sign Odell Beckham. Um, it Have does. deal too. Yeah. I, 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 a big first. I mean, it's a one year deal, but one year deal, but big money. Big money uh, for him. It'll get, so that will give them Beckham, Bateman, um, Antonio Brown claims he signed there, but I haven't seen nothing official. Dude, Nick and I were like, "There's been I've heard nothing. There's been it's, no. Like, I think, I think he wish cast it. It's yeah. It's AB. It just made it was just AB photoshopped himself on his own personal jersey. account, and there's been literally no news about it since. Yeah. So Zay Flowers good for Bateman. Yeah, Odo Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers there. Um, Beckham gives them, if Beckham can come back and be even what he was at the Rams, it gives him a veteran presence and a solid wide receiver. And that receiving room is a lot better. I don't think there's a lot to say about that. It's a it's a one-year deal. It's a lot of money. There's obviously risk there for a player coming back off of multiple ACL tears. But a player that when we last saw him was playing very, very well and could obviously be an upgrade over the likes of DuVernay, Aguilar, or DuVernay and Prochet and... I will say this. This is the most commitment I've felt like a coaching staff has given to Lamar since he's been drafted to want to progress him to become 
or just want the offense to progress to be more pass, you know, pass focused, yes. right? You bring in a chameleon type of OC that can that's going to utilize his playmakers to the best of his ability. You 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 go out and you overpay, but you paid heavily to a potentially Hall of Fame receiver, and you also drafted a wide receiver in the first row while still retaining your first round receiver from two years ago, right? This isn't like last year when they traded away, you know, Marquise Brown and didn't replace him. This is, we are going to stack this room. Lamar coming out. I'm going to throw 6,000 yards. Honestly, bud, if they, if they let you throw it, given your division and the conference that you play in, Mm -hmm. there's a very realistic chance that you throw the ball a lot more than people think they will. So what, which is what makes Zay Flowers you know, draft pick and trying to like value him harder to do. But Odell is what a wide receiver, probably maybe four or five. Like, just he may have some juice left, but we still have to be realistic to what we think this Ravens passing offense is going to be. And I'd go without putting on paper. I'd say probably a four because of the upside. Yeah, I. I his name cache might get him drafted, but he's also on a team that no one likes to draft five receivers from. So honestly, I'm not really sure how this can play. I would assume flowers. I would assume flowers would have the highest ADP, but God, Jesus, like that's even tough because right. no one's that excited about flowers. Nobody loves his landing spot. So at least no. from what I've seen for obvious, for reasons for, uh, yeah, for, for reasons that make sense. So and we'll see. And then the big, the big trade during the draft. Yeah. And, uh, DeAndre Swift to the Eagles. Yes. Yeah. Or swaps of seventh round picks and a fourth round pick in the 2025. So basically they swapped sevens and they threw in a, f- a very future pick because that picks worth virtually nothing right now. Um, Howie Roseman continues to have, one of the best off seasons I've I, I've ever seen a, yeah. a team have. This is this deal Swift, even though the trade doesn't value him. Obviously, it's it's insane and helps that room out and just helps hurts in the offense out so much. Yeah, I don't really have a whole hell of a lot to add to that. I mean, you get Swift, you get a dynamic running back in there. Um yeah, watch ADP, Rashad Penny. Watch ADPs, um, but you know that's going to be a three-headed attack um, where you're, you know Swift can be used in high-efficiency situations, and he's a back that has the ability to do a lot of things in high-efficiency situations. I love his landing spot, and the Lions drafting Jameer Gibbs, who's just kind of a reset on DeAndre Swift. You know, with with significantly with with twenty picks more draft capital, it's. Yeah. 2021. So it was, I think, pick 34. So 22. Yeah. So you will about the draft capital, but I think the Lions didn't feel like with Swift's injury history after, you know, last year that they could really rely on him to be that type of back. And I think I think probably a little bit better of a receiver. So I think there probably is something more, but because a seventh round pick swap in a future pick two years down the road, that's. That's that's more egregious than than how the Jets valued Elijah Moore. That's yeah, that's insane. That <laughs> like 
the Lions draft the running back at pick 12 and then traded one barely worth a day three pick. Like that's that's insane to me. That, that they spent a high draft pick on. Yeah, that's I, I there must have been some there's some underlying shit that had to have happened because that's insane. I agree. All right. Um let's yeah, I don't have a drop for it, so screw it. We're just gonna go ahead and jump into some draft recaps. So what? No, I'm just saying boom. Oh. You're dropping okay. boom. Got it. Boom. That's my drop. Yeah. All right. Draft recap. I'm gonna go position by position because this is how it's listed. Yes. And we'll just kind of go that route. So the quarterbacks that everyone cares about, young Stroud, no surprises there. I don't think we need a deep guy with them. Or, Nothing that happened in the draft changes our pre-draft interpretation nope. of this, I don't think. And uh, it shouldn't, honestly. So Anthony Richardson to the Colts. I think a lot of us thought this was going to be Levis. Thank God they got the pick right. Mm-hmm. And then got and shout out to Justin, our boy Justin, who was with us. Um, you know, Colts fan that uh, that hates Levis as much as we do, especially as a Vikings fan, was also as nervous. Yep. Um, Richardson, great. Great pick for fantasy. Him and him and JT. Yep. It's Love top it. five top five DC for Richardson. I know it shot him to the top of your draft board. I'm still I don't he's think always I'm, been there for me. But like yeah. I said, for you know, for fantasy wise, he's been there for me. I don't think I'm changing a lot there because I you know, acknowledging that this is a huge investment and he is easily the most dynamic athlete. He's still raw without a lot of experience under his belt. So there is also a bust potential there. So I don't think I'm gonna change that around too much. But you're drafting upside. He's at easily your one. And he doesn't have to. I mean, obviously, with Cardinal Minshew there, you know, we're yeah, interested in doesn't have to play week one. He he may. This could easily see him, you know, beat out this. Um, Again, expectations, Colts offense. If Richardson starts week one, mm. I would expect, you know, Jackson rookie year, Hurst rookie year, Fields rookie year. Just don't expect a lot of pass volume. So a little ding to Pittman. And the rest of the uh, rest of the collection of playmakers there. Yep, um, and we'll see what happens more through training camp because that situation is going to yep. be fluid. If Minshew's clearly ahead, and they're going to start the season with Minshew to develop, then um, we love Pittman to develop Richardson <laughs> a little bit more. We love Pittman, so yeah. Then yes. we'll I'll love Pittman a little bit more if that happens. Yep, uh, Will Levis slipping into the second. He slips to the Titans. So he'll be probably firmly behind Tannehill to start, and uh, it's not that firm from the yeah. sounds of it. Really? I think I it's it's I, I, they could cut Tannehill with no dead cap. Like okay. I wouldn't be shocked. Like Christian one. Yeah, the thing about Levis is, is I don't think he's a quarterback starting next year. I think they're going to be they have one of the worst rosters in football. Easily the one of the worst rosters in football. I, I do Rosen think. Thing. Yeah, I do think Levis plays over half the games this year, which is why probably he's going to probably be a value in your rookie drafts. Like, you don't have to like him. We don't like him. If he's in the second round, I will take him because at some point when he starts and has any sort of a a a, a game to have, there's going to be teams that are going to want a starting quarterback on their teams. When he gets 13 to 24 for 190, no touchdowns and a pick. Yeah. I think it's the meme as well. Yeah. Like, like starting quarterbacks have value in super flex leagues. And and we've learned time and time and time again that just because you don't like one, like, you need to respect that because your league mates may. So, right. 
Um, all right, going behind Levis, Hendon Hooker to the Lions. And then there's a couple guys that are in maybe spots we'll talk about. But let's start with Hendon Hooker to the Lions. Um, a lot of people, this is the trade-off, right? They have Jared Goff. They're trending upwards. Uh, Hooker is easily a more dynamic quarterback than Goff. Goff is a more you know, proven, you know what he is, and he's solid. Yeah. Um, you know, and you don't really have at 25, you don't have as much time to develop Hooker. I so, don't see, I, I don't get this pick. It, it's value. You get him in the yeah. third round. The Lions are the the uh it favors to win the North. I believe Larky, Josh Larky, shout out to Larky, said that they're they have the fourth best odds to win the end or to be the Super Bowl t- team in the NFC. I don't get drafting a backup quarterback in the third round. Like it well, just didn't make sense to me. Like at the I time know. I was like, cool, they got him for a at value, but Unless they feel like he can be as good of a passer as Goff, or they know that you know this is a league where you need to be mobile at the quarterback position, and they yeah are actually planning a transition to be more mobile and more dynamic at the QB position. I mean, the statue quarterbacks don't get it done anymore, so maybe they did see it that way. They're not going to come out and say it's a competition, but if they feel like they're lacking a dynamic with Goff, i.e., mobility, then. Who knows? It's going to probably depend on how Hooker comes into camp and yeah. what he looks like as a passer, and if the trade off for the mobility is worth it. I I have probably a backup though. I agree. Yeah, I, I I don't agree with Detroit not not taking a shot on trying to get a franchise quarterback because again, I make it very clear that I don't think Goff is. This is a big win for Goff for people that believe in Goff, like Ryan, mm-hmm. or, or or think he's the future. Or me, for that matter. Well, I, you ton in cheek with me, I, but. Maybe a little you bit, that but way. I, no, I don't think he's yeah. like QB I, of the future. It's the Kirk Cousins. It's the Kirk Cousins. It Cousin is Cousins thing, but and I get it. I love Detroit's roster, but this was the best chance you were going to get to have a franchise potentially have a franchise altering quarterback with At least pick in the next six few years. Yeah, uh, no, sure, but they're not going to have the draft capital to move around again. Yeah, like they're in a win now mode. They are the Jets now, and where the Vikings were in 2018. And they're going to, and as they should, try to win in that window. It's just, I, I well, and you can make the argument that they're weak on defense, but they didn't even spend draft <laughs> capital there, at least they, not intelligently. They spent pick eighteen on a middle linebacker that doesn't generate sack because they got a guy they could have got, they should have gotten second. But again, this is teams drafting based on what they think other teams could do. So they took Campbell, at, you know, at, you know, you know, at a spot where. They you know couldn't get him in a second, but anyways, it, it's yeah. Detroit's gotten a lot of up and down praise, not praise, but there's there's been a lot of up and down opinions on Detroit's draft, and I've been left more whelmed. Like, yeah, I I thought they had a killer second round, right? The Buda Baker, you know, pick, I, I, you know, the Laporta pick were great, but Hooker in the third, and and, and it's like your little brother, you just want to see them succeed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's just not against you, right? I guess. Yeah. I mean, it still puts him late round rookie draft worthy, I think. Because again, there is a dynamic there. It is third round DC. You're running out of quarterbacks. If you need to take a shot on somebody, then he went in this rookie draft. Like I said, we're we're in the, the middle part of the third round. We're actually at the 306 or right in the middle. Hooker went the 210. That's fair. He went six spots. Love has went 204, which is a, a pretty decent deal. 
Um, yeah, I agree. Hooker should be late second, early third. The likeliness that he becomes, you know, fantasy relevance very low, but yep. you never know, right? You know, Goff gets hurt and maybe Hooker comes in, does something, right? He's one injury away. Yes. <laughs> um, other quarterbacks, just to know, we don't have to deep dive anything into these. Jake Hanner will be the guy behind Derek Carr in New Orleans. Um, or at least have a shot to be fourth round DC on that. Uh, Stetson Bennett, fourth round DC for the Rams with a broken Matthew Stafford, a lot higher than what people were thinking. So that's interesting. Yeah, a lot higher. Aiden O'Connell uh, will be the guy, also fourth round DC, have a shot to be the guy behind Jimmy G. And then Clayton Toon um, to the Cardinals, who I liked a lot, is a dynamic. He's my Bailey Zappi watch type guy, especially with Kyler potentially missing. The or missing the opening portion of the season. So uh DTR to Cleveland, I like to as a uh as a backup to you know to Watson. Um gonna have a very similar game style if if Boston were to miss some time. Yeah, so you UDFA watch those guys basically. Um they all are in quarterback rooms where the situation isn't necessarily, you know, super solidified that's kind of why i was a little lower on robinson because they committed that much money to watson it's got to be watson but yeah, yeah, yeah guys are in you know situations where like o'connell behind garoppolo garoppolo never stays healthy tune we know murray's gonna miss games so there's some baked in yeah. value there bennett not knowing there's some tyrod taylor it, yeah. it was more of a tyrod taylor corollary there with dtr except he's not behind joe flacco yeah. he's behind and overpaid but very paid watson Yep. All right. Let's move to running backs. Yes. All right, Bijan. Uh Falcons, <laughs> nothing different than what doesn't change a thing. To where everyone thought he was gonna go. He might be did I he might be top three in redraft pick for me. Dan, I I yeah, it's hard for me to not he's gonna get oh so much like so much work, even on a bad team. I I, I know it's rookie fever, but it's Bijan. True, it is Bijan. Enough said. <laughs> uh, Jameer Gibbs to Detroit. So, um, we talked about this a little bit. They plan to split him outside. It is, um, you know, it's a similar skill set to Swift. It's not somebody that really does a lot between the tackles. It is a guy that is really dynamic outside of the tackles, is an explosive runner, really good in the receiving game. They've already said they plan to split him out a lot more than, you know, what he was used at, at Alabama. Uh, Player-wise, it's an upgrade. DC-wise, it left a lot of people scratching their heads. For fantasy, that's good, though. This is Camara year one. Yeah. Like, like his size, the DC, right? The comps are very minimal. A lot of people point to McCaffrey, who is the 108 in his, uh, in his draft class. With Gibbs, it, it's... Where does where does this touch volume come in? Where does the carry volume come in? Right, you know, David Montgomery is going to be their Jamal Williams. Well, Montgomery can do more than what Jamal Williams, you know, can do, and at least what can he provide for the Detroit offense? Gibbs on it out in the slot, you know, I guess having competition with both, you know, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and then whatever they decide to give to Laporta year one. Um, I I I got being a in in mobile quarterback though there is there's so much upside there is a reason why there's so much 
rookie fever talk when it comes to Gibbs. He gets first round DC, not only just first round, but top 15, top half, top 12 DC. Um, there is, there's roles that they want to run with him. And there, there is specific ideas they have in mind. You don't take a player that high and not have an idea of, of what you want in, you know, for their offense. I guess the only caveat to it is, is that Detroit's going to be favored in a lot of games. If game script may not dictate to Gibbs being used heavily in the, in the passing game, then maybe you see some drop there. But um, there is Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara type of upside for this year. Hundred plus targets is not is not is not out of the question. It's just what what is his role in terms of a traditional ball carrier, and what does the red zone work look like? Right, and he's easily a top five super flex pick. I think we can. He's the one hundred two in single QB, and I I honestly won't hate top people six. if yeah. they top him. Like I, to me, gives us the second player off the board in in single QB. I would take him over all the wide receivers. Yeah. Super flex. Where do you got him? Right. That's like, I would take him. I would take him at five, right. It'd be behind Robinson and the three QBs. Cause this is just how I value them. And obviously Robinson is built to be the new workhorse, but right. Like we said, like, well, like you and I mentioned before the draft happened, Gibbs is upside on the right offense and the right fit. Right scheme, he and could outproduce. He could outproduce Robinson yep. because of how scoring is for PPR leagues. And this is this is it. He's he's with a quarterback that won't run the football. His only competition for those type of targets has been traded. And even if he splits out wide, it's going to be just him and St. Brown. Right? I I doubt Laporta gets much of anything this year. He's a rookie tight end in a very crowded yeah. offense. They did bring back Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds. So yeah, it's him and St. Brown. Um. And they did bring in Dave Montgomery, who's not going to compete with him for targets, though. It's Mark Ingram. To, uh, like I, that, yeah. that's where I, I am tunnel vigiling Mark, which is so good for you know. For I still like Montgomery. It's like, good for both gonna, of them. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of points. It's going to be a lot of fun. You don't draft a player this high on offense and not have an idea and of, of Hall. Yeah, he's yeah. going to get touches. As long as he's healthy, he's going to work. Yeah, and they're already stating that idea. Yeah, uh, Charbonnet. Let's go over the next three together, I guess. Well, uh, yeah. The day two backs, I guess. Yeah, well, the next f- there's. I was going to do the next because of how I have them tiered, I guess. Okay, let's just go through the day two backs. I, Charbon- Charbonnet in the second to the Seahawks. And right, then, DC, just run team, I guess. Yeah. And then Miller to the Saints, Spears to the Titans, A-Chain to the Dolphins. And Bigsby to the Jags. So I'm breaking this down. Charbonnet, I agree. It's the right DC. It's the wrong team. He lands behind Kenneth Walker. That's a pick that didn't make any damn sense to me. Why I mean, spend I'm that draft capital on a guy that doesn't do, I guess, for receiving back or because Seattle always has people hurt. I don't really understand it. That's the note that was I saw drop today. It, it, it's Charbonnet had a, a more complete pass catching profile coming out of college. Yeah. Than Walker. Walker had the two game stretch last year. He had, I think it was 15 targets most of last year, especially at the end of last year when his role was more defined. It was one targets, two targets, zero targets. Charbonnet's role is because he's got the size too. He's also bigger than Walker. Yeah. There's a, I mean, again, it's, 
Running backs are very landing land spot dependent. What doesn't also make sense though is they drafted JSN with the first in, in, in the first round too. Right. So they shore up the passing game, then they also double down on running backs. This hurts both. They want to have multiple backs, right? They lost Penny free agency. Yep, went to go and draft Charbonnet high. The same pick range as Walker too. Yeah, as last year. It's this is this is going to push Walker down dynasty rankings. Charbonnet, I I think should it's it's tough because most running backs didn't get great landing spots or the, or they're in committees that they got drafted into and Charbonnet is no different. He is one of the slew of backs if 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 Walker were to get hurt, one injury away, one injury away from being more. But he's also there's going to be flex value already to him. It yeah. just depends on like what his ADP is going to be and redraft and it's not dynamic enough for me to get it done on like this isn't Swift we're talking about you give them to True. or even gives you give them the same number of carries or even a chain later on you give them the same number of touches Charbonnet is going to be near the bottom of that list he he's just not an explosive back he's not a dynamic receiver he's very solid but that was kind of what I didn't like and what I hated about the landing spot because Kenneth Walker does what he does very very well He's very, so very he's well. one of the, the best pure runners in football. High. Yeah, right. he's very very he's, good. So Charbonnet, you drafted a third down back in the second round. Like this is kind of the same rant I have about something a bit later on, but they did it a little bit worse because you know you had Kendra Miller, who we'll get to in a second. You had H Chan still on the board um, that also went in that range, or you could have waited until later and got a guy like you know a Deuce Vaughn who's smaller but an absolutely more explosive back or even chase brown in the fifth who i actually had higher than charbonnet pre-draft because i thought he did a lot he had a lot of volume which hurt the averages but i thought that he looked a little bit more dynamic with the ball in his hands and as a runner that you could have also drafted in this role i'm also wondering if they're with the shades of chris carson obviously during his heyday with seattle battled a lot of injuries too. walker injury scared yes Walker got banged up last year. Walker is also a bit undersized. He's, he's he doesn't play at two fifteen. Charbonnet is a bigger back and handle more of that type of workload. This may be their insurance, and this is their old school way of thinking: is we're yeah. gonna we're gonna beat you this way. This is their version of of thunder and lightning, but not done in a way that you think it would be done by. It's yeah. it was a bad pick when they made it, but. When it comes to your rookie drafts and with the rest of the rookie running back landing spots, it, it's Charbonnet still doesn't fall that far in terms of where he's the my, value lies in. No, like, he moved he moved up from me because of the DC. He's my he's my rookie. You have to, he's my rookie RB five. He's tier three for me. He is he is you have to respect the DC. He went uh two oh five in this draft I'm in, which is he, he would land right now again, not having everybody plugged in it's at the two Oh five. So there <laughs> we go. Well, this is a super flex. I don't know if you're, if this it's is super, super flex. Okay. The way I'm ranking it's super flex. Perfect. So at the two Oh five before I have everyone plugged in. So he's going to be in that mid second round. He will be um, a late first in your single QB lease mid to late first. Yeah. Now I don't like him the best out of people in this tier though. And I don't like his landing spot, the best out of people in this tier. Um, that distinction for me goes to get Kendry Miller. Um, he was a guy I hadn't watched. I hadn't worked up after he got drafted. I did. And Oh man, I would have been singing his praises a lot earlier. Had I done that? Um, 
but he didn't have the productivity and he didn't do anything at the combine. But on film, excellent burst, great contact balance, didn't have breakaway speed, but again, exceptional burst allowed him to get chunk, knock out some chunk plays, really subtle twitch, small at the line and slippery, adequate hands, definitely had some Camara traits, but a better pure runner. Um, didn't move piles, didn't do a lot in the way of pass blocking, but we've seen Camara's efficiency fall off. He, I think that is still has legal stuff pending where he could be facing a suspension. Oh yeah. 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 And to me, Miller immediately slides in is the, you know, the other part of that one, two punch in new Orleans. And I love the play. I like the player. I like what I saw on film. I'm a little scared off by, you know, not performing at the combine and, you know, some of the career metrics, I guess, really the year stuff, yearly stuff was fine. I like the player though. I like the landing spot. And I think he's my favorite back in this tier because I thought that he looked, um, it's probably him than a Shane because I thought they're think they're both dynamic but Miller is also a bit better on the size, probably going to hold up a bit better as a runner, not so much a one trick pony. Whereas AJ and I think is more of a, going to be a passing dynamic type specialist specialist and, and used outside in some creative ways. But yeah, I love Miller. I love the pick to, to new Orleans. If he wasn't behind Jamal Williams, <laughs> like that's it, not again, I obviously didn't watch his film, but the underlining metrics are okay. He wasn't utilized at all, really, as a pass catcher. The pass catching profile is pretty well. Really maybe that's his role. Doing it though, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. So maybe that's maybe he gets some of that stuff. But this isn't the Sean Payton Saints. This is Dennis Allen. This I, I, again, we're not trying to draw comparisons to what it used to be in a different regime and a different coaching right. staff. Um, uh, well, but. I don't hate it because I do expect Kamara to miss. I, I think his missing time will happen this year. It's a different it sounds regime. Like. Sorry. I want to point something out about what you just said, though. Sure. Different regime, different coaching staff, same regime, though, right? It's the Dennis Allen Saints, but Dennis Allen was under Sean Payton, and Pete Carmichael still the OC, who was Sean Payton's OC. So it's not like you had a whole coaching staff turnover here in New Orleans. It's Fair. all people Fair. that worked with Payton. Fair. And like I said, Kamara also didn't have the sexiest of collegiate profile when he came out too. So again, maybe he will, and maybe he's a replacement. Right? He's only twenty years old; he'll be twenty-one in season. I had to fight to not make the Kamara compare comparison. Yeah, I was watching him, but it's it's got the size, right? Very similar build to him. Obviously, his best comparable player profiler to one of our. Our our day three dialings from a couple of years ago in Khalil Herbert. So right. And there there is some, some there's some good to it. So um yeah, I agree. It, it's expectations for this year though, it's he's gonna need some injuries. He's gonna he's gonna need that suspension to Kamara. I don't see him just taking his role. Jamal, the most likable fucking person in the world, not just from his own players, but from the coaching staffs, so the guys that have coached him fucking love him. All the guy do is just he eats in people's work and Maybe Miller is more of a, of a 24 play. The A chain, it's it's where the most intrigue is, which is where I think a lot of people are at because of Miami's backfield situation being so 
overwhelmed. <laughs> it's one of the worst running back rooms in football. Right. You got most not the worst 30 yeah. plus, and they just doubled down on that running back room. And Jeff Wilson, year. and there, there's there's literally nothing there to get excited about. A chain doesn't have the best of sides, and Big Daniel's coming from the Kyle Shanahan culture tree. Right. We'll run these guys down to the you know, till they're fucking out for the season. So um, um interested to see where he fits in, but yeah. One other note on um Miller before I switch to A-Chain is once you yeah. get past this year, the Saints who are always cash strapped. If well, no, were, it ended this year, yeah. Yeah. It if they're always cash strapped, always cash strapped. If you get into 2023 with your so Camaro's not going to get cut this year, but you go into 2024 for a team that's consistently cash strapped. That's 11 million million in cap savings on the Camaro front, especially if he has another down season. So just throwing it out there, young back in a draft where you're looking for for backs. I mean, I, I mean yeah, his range is going to be where Charbonnet goes, where. You'll probably go after H. H. N. Typically, is RB three or four off the board, right? Generally, I think in, in the draft I am, he was, yeah, he he wasn't. <laughs> Taji Spears was the RB three, but then yeah. it was H. N. at the two hundred three, and then Miller went two hundred six right after Charbonnet. So those guys are all going to be within the same range. You just as you mentioned, you just take the one that's your favorite, the one that you think has right. the best because, shot for, you know, for yeah. fantasy success. Because we're going to say the same thing about about most of them right there's a there's a potential for success but there's a black eye for aj and its size i expect him to be used a lot in space and a lot in some dynamic type plays and i agree that's a good offense to be in space a good offense to be in space (laughs) though yeah so you're looking for explosiveness from a chain but you're probably going to be a little lax on volume there um for miller it's not size it's just how everything is going to shake out going in into this season um, to give him the op- that opportunity uh, for Spears. He's, I didn't watch him. He it's kind of ACLs. Yeah. Dude. So like a lot of the big injury guys are saying that he's probably just a rookie contract, but then he's done. Yeah. Like he is Todd. He's right behind he's AJ. AJ. I like him, him and Bigsby are tied for my least favorite out of this tier. If I'm taking a running back in this tier, I want it to be Miller or a chain Charbonnet if I have to. I just don't like Bigsby, but I, his role is going to be very defined in Jacksonville. Obviously, he's got the size over ETN. I think that's in, in Doug Peterson likes backs like that, that are built yeah. like him. That's where my mind goes through, right? It's going to be a, a very strong offense. They're going to be playing ahead in a lot of their games. Bigsby's so, robs touchdowns. I just don't like his film. I, I was not a fan of him as a Debbie prospect. Really whelming. It's very, but. It's like I, I took him in this league because he was the last of those backs that were left. It was Bigsby, which is going to typically be the case because most people don't like Bigsby unless you were Debbie Darling, which most Debbie guys have actually fallen off of him. Um, yeah. I just I respect the DC with the round three draft capital. He's with Doug Peterson. ETN also doesn't have the strongest record of staying healthy. You know, board defined role. We'll, we'll see if I can get him as the last of those backs. I think there's some value to that. Yep. All right. Beyond that, Roshan to the Bears um, kind of falls in the same tier, I think, as Bigsby for me. Um, We went ahead of Bigsby in this rookie draft. Yeah, I don't agree with that. But you want to go? Do you want to tell the story real quick? Yeah, because you told it a lot. Roshan. So I 
again, we're at the house. Obviously, we just got back. No, this is during. This is before we even left for lunch because it was round four. He's only round four back that was taken. And half of our draft room are, are, are Bears fans. And Hopper's reaction was of utter disdain. Well, the rest of us were like, oh, this is interesting. I actually really like the landing spot. And Hopper, <laughs> he was so mad. But you were mad. But you weren't. I mean, you were mad at the player, and then that part calmed down. You were mad at at, at the type of running back he is, and just a pick in, in itself. Yes, of it's the position and the way he plays the position didn't yeah. make sense. Uh, it didn't make sense to you with what they have comes from. Yeah, with, right. With the with the roster they already have in place. Right. It's a situation where you know, give me a big beefer between the twenties, like Rodriguez or give me deuce. If you're looking for dynamics in the receiving game, I watched Roshan's film after I got back. I knew I'd kind of casually paid attention to him because he was catching a lot of, a lot of love avoiding the word hype, catching a lot of love. But, um, when I came back and watched it, I mean, I saw basically a third down back that can do a little bit of change of pace work. He's an excellent pass blocker. Um, which, is an area that the bears are, are emphasizing. He's a fantastic pass blocker that while he's not dynamic in space, a lot like Charbonnet, he does have reliable hands and everything. So, um, he's okay as a runner. Uh, I didn't see a lot to love there. It was just kind of, eh. but because he's such a good pass blocker with a receiving profile, he could be a guy that I think the Bears trust on third downs. It's something that Foreman doesn't do. We've seen it a bit from Herbert. Foreman's a pure runner. So yeah, yes. there's a little bit of a difference here. I wanted more dynamic out of them adding a receiving back, but they did get what I think is going to be a solid third down back. Now, what does that mean for fantasy? Don't get your hopes up super high. This is a running quarter. This is a team with a running quarterback. And I think that the Bears probably will use. Roshan to chip or block a lot on third down. I honestly, like when I was watching, that was the strongest suit. He was excellent in that regard. And I see how he fits the football team now. But for fantasy, if you're looking for a lot of volume from him, if you're looking for, it's it's an ambiguous backfield, but you're looking for someone that's going to be dynamic or whatever, then, yeah, this is a guy that, one, isn't just going to fall into that immediately. I think I like both Herbert and Foreman more is actual, you know, goal line guys and pure runners. And I also, you know, think that even if Roshan does get some run due to injury or whatever, this isn't a guy that you look at and say, this is the guy we want to rely on is, is our lead back. I, I think that if he does have any productivity, you're getting into Pierce and Algier territory a bit. Those are my two. Like he, he's Damian Pierce because he's a he's a part time back being potentially thrusted into a full time role. Part time backs in college don't have long term NFL success. It's just how that. <laughs> Typically, if you don't earn full time work in, in college, you're not going to earn full time work in the NFL unless it's due to injury or to a backfield that's ambiguous. Obviously, Roshan being behind Bijan didn't help his cost for that. There are there are many ways you can chop that up. He was able to carve into Bijan work, which is the glowing side of it. Then it's say he wasn't able to do more 
when he switched to running back. Um, I just love the Bears rushing offense. This is again when you're when you're taking stabs in the dark and in the end of your at the top of the second round, middle you know middle of the second round, depending on what your league is. Um, right, you're looking for running backs who could be a who's going to get time right away, so there's some potential flex value, and then how does the team look? Bears have one of the most efficient running games. When you have a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, you're going to have a very efficient, efficient running offense. It's I agree though. And then like Algier, it's when does his time come? Does Herbert need to get hurt for him to carve out a role? Is he just going to take his role? Because Herbert had fifth round with a different with a different regime, so there is no even ties to Herbert. Yeah. If I, if, if I'm correct, I, I, think, on a, I think this like, regime likes him though. And it does. This regime also has already have lowing talks about Roshan. I yeah. think they're going to want to play both like they did last year. I, I think Montgomery and Herbert, they brought in Foreman for a reason too. And that's where it gets ambiguous. And I think that even if you have an injury to Herbert for Roshan to get the backfield to himself, which is what I think he needs for high for even a chance at Algeria Pierce productivity, yes. you got to have injuries to both Foreman and and Foreman's earned that. Like I don't want to take anything away from Foreman. He has been no, one of no, the best fill-in running backs over the last two seasons. So, you know, I think you have to have an injury to both Herbert and Foreman for them to find fantasy relevance here. And even when I think Foreman's a one-year deal, and Herbert is. is you know a little older, he's probably a rookie deal only guy. But I don't look at Roshan and say this is dynamic enough to be the lead back permanently. So no, he he is. Again, he's also round four. He's also yeah. still day three. You know, we always say we're getting closer and closer to round four guys being relevant, and you know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna shed that. And that's true, but it's we're not true not, yet. Not not even really. Not in still this not really, and still enough teams have shown us that they want to, you know, play the smart way in terms of analytics. No, it's going to be running backs that they that they draft in day two. I checked like, that mark for five of the last eight years, and I'd drop off the last three at the beginning of every draft season. It's still the third round or higher. Yeah, it's we're not we're not that close. Roshan, like Herbert, these guys are just part time guys that you take in your drafts. If something happens, you already have them. If you like them, that's great. But it's yeah. that's who they are. Like these are aren't guys that are going to be perennial high in twos, like. This could be James Robinson, just like maybe one year, and that's it. Maybe it gives you a flash in the pan. That's it. Yep. Um, couple other guys, real quick, as we get out of the fourth round. Normally, I would have done three rounds there, but with Roshan and my reaction, we needed to talk about it. Uh, other guys I like going in the later rounds. Chase Brown will land behind Joe Mixon. P. Ryan is out of town, um, and. The Bengals are not married to Joe Mixon. Chase Brown had a lot of college volume, a lot of college productivity, a lot of utilization, has the size and the skill set to be a lead back. So watch what happens with Mixon, but he's a guy I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Chris Rodriguez was a guy I really liked. He did not land well landing in Washington. Uh, we know Rivera likes multiple backs, and he can certainly carve out a role, but he doesn't land in, a, in an obvious spot. Deuce Vaughn landing with the Cowboys without Zeke is a... Him and Pollard are both just super, super freaking dynamic backs. Deuce is a little bit smaller, still extremely dynamic, and there are carries available there. And then Zach Evans with the Rams, who have had running back problems. Evans was kind of a 
beefier between the tackle like grinder that gives a nice dynamic when compared to what cam Akers is so those are the guy other guys that i'm kind of like all right just pay attention here late round flyers etc etc shout out to lou nichols for just having a dope name yeah seventh round pick to green bay not a fantasy relevant just lou nichols right. what a good name right uh anyone else you want to talk about there no uh it's right. sad that that our boy israel didn't get uh, yeah, good landed, draft capital. And he landed and, with the Jets. He landed behind Brees Hall. Though there was rumors apparently that, that the Jets were looking at Gibbs at 15. So, I yeah. man, it's maybe they're not so high on, on Hall's recovery at this moment. But it, I pour one out to the Israel hype. Indeed. All right. Beer review, and then we'll do receivers and a quick hitter on tight ends. Yep. Beer review. All right, so I had Waterloo Wheat from Severn German Brewing Company, and I said I was going to take a look at this as a brewer. Like, what am I thinking? And I'm going to preface this with I have a little bit of insider information right now, but I haven't gone and asked all the questions I need to ask as I'm crafting this. Um, My first thoughts on this, not my first thoughts, I've had this beer a lot, but paying attention to it because I wear a lot of hats. I wear a consumer hat. I wear a brewer hat. I wear a judge hat. I wear a podcaster hat. Um, so it's real crisp. It is real, real crisp. And a traditional half is going to be about 50, 50 on the Pilsner malt and the wheat malt. So, um, that's the first thing I noticed. There's a really good balance, um, between the clove and banana flavor in this, maybe leaning slightly co clove. And when you're using Hefeweizen and yeast, where you ferment at temperature wise controls kind of what flavor you get. So where you're at in the temperature range will control whether you get more clove or more banana out of a beer and your pitch rate is going to control kind of how strong that is. So, um, neither flavor is overwhelming. It's a really, really locked in balanced heffy in that regard. The other thing I noticed here is it's really clear for a half. Like that, looks, German that looks dark for a half it, too. I'm in bad light. Okay. That, I'm like, that looks like, like Vienna lager. Yeah, here. Or, or not even Vienna, but maybe like a Mars and levels of 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 color, not the okay. yellow grassy straw. Okay, that's a little better. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. yeah. I'm I'm in the corner of my really webcam sits in is really dark. <laughs> it's like it a is, locker now. It is really clear for a half, and I know that you know that again can go along with fermentation temperature. It can go along with the fact that I didn't pour the whole damn can, so there might be some haze sitting in the bottom there. Um. But that's really the other thing that I noticed. The body um, is probably a little bit on, I don't want to say it's thin for style, but it's definitely thin when I describe it. Um, It's light. So that means that it's going to be a bit lower of a mash temperature, most probably. Um, Not, not going to be super high in that regard. And I actually know for a fact that they do some, I don't know the specifics, but they do some form of step mash with this. So um, as far as just drinking it, it's a really, really good and balanced half that the body makes extremely crushable on this. Um, but you know, comparing it to like, uh, like some of the wine stuff on our beers and things like that straight out of Germany, it's a little clear, a little bit lighter. 
Um, balance is absolutely there. Um, it's an incredible beer. And I'm a little nervous to try to replicate this. I did get some chill haze, <laughs> by the way, when I got the bottle of the can. So there you go. All right. Again, I uh I had the sales, uh it's spicy dill spicy dill pickle sour. This is uh the same dill pickle they put out with sucker punch pickles. So it's just still their their pickle brine recipe. Um, I believe they added in um habaneros and 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 jalapenos. I can't. Re- I I do not remember what what peppers were added into the batch, but uh, f- the from the first sip, as you can tell by color, obviously you know pretty. Yeah, uh, it's got some haze to it. It looks like a pretty haze. It's, it's unfiltered. I mean, yeah, that'll you know, do her. And then you know you're obviously added in the brine recipe with with the peppers. Um, first sip, nothing. As soon as it hits the middle of the throat to swallow to aftertaste, it's it's when it's, that's when all the heat comes. Um, I don't know how many people are, are gonna sit and drink it. Um, perfect mixing beer if you like spicy bloodies mm-hmm. or you, or if you like to cook and and, and you want to get spicy. Your bloody Mary. some some spice notes with the bloodies, or if you want to get some spicy notes for your marination for your chicken or for your brats. Um. This is where this could shine as it kind of adds a different component to it than just adding a straight pickle beer or just pickle juice. Um, it's a very, very small release. So if you see it and you're interested, I say grab it. This is still very high quality when it comes to this style, which is pretty rare to find. Yeah. I was going to say the style, a style of one spicy a style pickle beer. one. Most most of the pickle beers in general are pretty, our are, are, are one-offs, ours did so well that we turned into year round and we're doing Small very small batch variants of it. So yeah. Interesting. And and it does the spice does linger. It is a bit. Very intri- it's very intriguing. It's something I would try. And for me, um, I call those flight beers. Is in yeah. I want to try yeah. it. So if I can get like a half a pour or a flight of it, that's probably where I'm gonna go because I'll drink a full one, but I'm probably not ordering more than one. But this that's is just not a personal a, taste yeah. thing. This is not. This is very hard to be meant to drink because just the pickle beer itself is already tough because it's very right. flavor forward and, and it's very pickly. You, you you have the spice components and people are gonna like okay, I'll I'll have a half of one, I'll have a flight pour. Yeah, let's make a bloody with it. Which is I also don't like pickles or spicy, but it's intriguing. yeah. This is not beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's intriguing. I'll give it that. All right, wide receivers. Um. Let's start with the top four and then get into the clusterfuck of everything after that. <laughs> so Smith and Jigba, Johnson, Flowers, Addison went in that order. That's what most people had. And probably if you're looking at top fours of rankings, that's probably the order most people were not the order they were in, but the four guys that were yeah. near the top of most rankings. Yep. Um, so if I'm breaking that down, JSN was the favorite coming in. I think he gets dinged a little bit with the landing spot, especially in the short term. Uh, Quentin Johnson, kind of the same thing. Zay Flowers, kind of the same thing. Jordan Addison actually has the most exciting landing spot. He me. has he has the easiest to predict landing spot. Johnson, I still think, has the highest upside, just given his quarterback long term potential. I I I I. I, I care a little bit when it comes to any spot when it comes to receivers. I do too. Especially when you're looking at what they're going to do very early on in their careers. JSN and Quentin Johnson feel like 2024 20, plays more than anything. 
both mm-hmm. players you want to take in your rookie drafts because they have big play potential, especially with JSN with how good he is. He could phase out Lockett without even needing an injury. It just may take half the year to get him to get to that point. I think they're going to have, because there's nothing behind those guys. When I look at JSN, and this is what I said immediately when he got drafted, is he's going to push Lockett back outside where Lockett played early in his career when Doug Baldwin oh, was absolutely, still Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. I think that's fine, but Lockett's 30-plus. I'm trying to pull up his contract situation right now. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's already in the last couple of years of his career. JSN's volume might be more of a long play because he does land in a – you know, he he's the third guy. To, I don't think he's going to end up being the third best receiver there. They have an out on Lockett after this year. So, yeah, he, he signed until he's 33, but they have an out after this year. Like I said, this is a, a 2024 play. Yes. This is, again, what makes the sharp pick so kind of mind boggling. It, it's this team looked like they were going in that type of direction. Gino, you know, game manager plus this is one of the better wide receiver duels in the league. You add in the best wide receiver prospect in this right. class. So you he, he gets to go right into the slot where it's, which is where his natural position is. Yep. Lockett will move outside. DK will be stretching the field, and that's a good problem to have, but it's also a team that likes yeah. to run the football. You worry a bit about volume. I agree. This is more of a longer-term play. He still has, the, I think, the best long-term floor. Um Quentin Johnston, I want to talk about that for a second. This yeah. is the Chargers, to me, trying to make out right on the Mike Williams failure. I I love this pick, especially with Kellen Moore there now. In, in I do too. What he did with, with Dallas the last few years for their offense. Yeah. This is them trying to make right on the Mike Williams failure for a bigger guy that can play outside. He also did work a good amount over the middle. It doesn't immediately take Allen out of play. It doesn't immediately take Williams off the field either because I think he's going to slide in ahead of, you know, Palmer at all. And your three is going to be Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston, Keenan Allen. So he's on the field. I like him more than Williams. I think Keenan Allen's still going to be the the guy that gets the majority of it, but he's not dynamic. And we've known that for a while. He's pure volume. Johnson has a chance to be very dynamic with upside here. If he finishes in the mid to back wide receiver two discussion with his quarterback, with his offense and everything this year, I'm more than happy with it. Yeah. This is a um, little more raw. I, I mean, obviously he's going to learn how to develop his route tree, learning from Keenan Allen, learning from this coaching staff. He's going to develop that in the long term where he fits in, this is, right, this is Burks from last year. This is where Nikhil Harry was back in 19. This is an offense so that you can definitely buy into with a coordinator that can get the most out of it, especially the right. fit for Herbert. Johnson's going to be a big play machine. He's not going to be a volume play early mm-hmm. on. I, I This entire year is going to be a lot of ups and downs in terms of, of, of what his production looks like. Great for best ball. Kind of like what you got with George Pickens last year. And what you got from Mike Williams for his neck. Like it's going to be, right. he's going to be there. Are, he, he's going to work in the third quadrant as their big, as their big play guy, what Josh Palmer did last year. It's also going to probably work in place where he can get the ball in his hands right away. Whether it be wide receiver screens or bubble screens, you know, quick slants, ins and outs, like get the ball in his hands, let him make work. And let him learn naturally from, you know, from Keenan Allen and 
in the wide receiver room, and then he'll, you know, progress more. I, I love this fit for him, and I think it won't shock it won't shock anybody when he is one of the one of the more productive, if not the most productive, wide receiver from this class. No, I agree with that. Zay Flowers lands in a lands in a place where he has the opportunity to be dynamic, and I loved his post draft interview. And it said, "What are you getting from me? You're getting explosive. This is an offense that likes explosive. They're trying to gear up more towards the pass, but you don't necessarily have to use Flowers in that way. Um, he's not really being blocked by anybody. We don't know what Odell has left, as we talked about earlier. Um, sky's the limit for him in this offense, and it's gonna he's gonna go as far as this offense will take him." as far as how he's deployed and as far as how Jackson progresses, people don't like the landing spot because of those two reasons. But I look at this and say that he has the clearest path to year one production aside from maybe Addison. I think, I, I think Addison's is flowers to me is the biggest wild card because we, 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 we don't know what Baltimore is going to look like this year. Mm. We don't know what the defined role is. Beck and Bateman and, and Flowers could all play a very similar role. None of them are very big. Bateman's probably the biggest now. Beckham Bateman's been their flanker outside, but not recently. Flowers not is going to probably play inside. He'll probably start out in the slot. He's not going to obviously big, you know, you know, play big slot because he's not big. But it, it's he's what the offense. It. Yeah, it, it's going to be what does the Baltimore. Uh, you know, passing volume look like? Where does the relationship with Bateman and this team look like in terms of what his role is going to look like this year? The 13 million going to Beckham, what is that buying for his role this year for as long as he's healthy? Flowers is the biggest wild card. Flowers could be the 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 bus we look at and we go, yep, that shocked to holy shit. Like he is a top 15 receiver in the league. He he basically became what we want a Marquise Brown to become with the Ravens. I will be more shocked by a Flowers bust than I would be by a Johnston bust. That's they're my one and two. I don't know. If yes, yes. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I see Johnston. I, I, I with don't. More, yeah, with more bust potential than Flowers, just because of the number of ways you can get Flowers involved and the number of receivers we've seen fail with Johnston's profile. Yes, it, it's yes. The big bodied receiver that's not a, a a good boundary that needs to have yeah a, aggressive quarterback play to make them win, which thankfully he has. he has. But you're right, it's Johnson and Flowers are 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 the two are the two busts, I guess bust potential. I know what we're getting from a Chargers offense. That's why I feel a little more confident in saying that it's Flowers is the true wild card. It's not. It's, it's not that I don't even like him. It's just, and like I. I like flowers. I like. I. I think this spot is a lot of fun, especially as a Ravens. I think this and you believe be in Lamar, an extremely so. fun team. And, and I definitely believe in Lamar. It's just what does the volume look like this year, and does that entail it? Like he's on a bus. He doesn't hit this year. Obviously, yeah. like it's just his range of outcomes is literally all over the place. It's a big range of outcomes, but yeah. it's the highest range. It's of the opposite. It, it's, the it's the opposite, opposite of, of Addison. And, and, and Addison. Uh, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Because I. I think Edison's the one that is a like he is locked in wide receiver to my favorite landing spot for Beelan's you know for the volume, rookie year production exceptional route runner. Um, he's not going to see any shaded coverage because because Jefferson Ridge. Yep. Yeah, it's oh, I love it. A slouch who's been productive as well, and it's a offense that's going to pass. 
So if a yeah. bad defense, high scoring offense. Oh. I love it too. You <laughs> could see, you know, people have been pining for it. So there's always the opportunity for quarterback turnover here, which is kind of the one <laughs> yeah. caution beyond this year. But for right now, I absolutely love the year one productivity here. I think it's the easiest year one productivity to predict. And I don't think you're, I, I do think JSN's still the one. The other three guys, you're not wrong for however you have murdered. I would agree. I think Jason the one because, again, the rookie, the NFL draft kind of told us that they're all just kind of clumped. Yep. You take, you, you should not adjust your rookie rankings, your rookie wide receiver rankings for these top four at all. Whatever you had pre draft should remain the same. Very similar draft capital, all landed in spots where they're not going to be the wide receiver one. Johnson could get that based purely on size. Jason could get that in the future, but as long as the DK Metcalf's there, he probably won't. And then it's just, okay, how does everything else play out? Nothing should change. If you had Addison as your wide receiver four, he should, he should still be your four, whatever. I, I doubt that's going to happen. I'm sure people are going to change like crazy, do all, all the double counts that they need to do. But yeah. All right. Um, Let's go to the next tier here. So you get into a lot of intrigue as you move down this draft board because there's a lot of opportunity <laughs> and not a lot of guys that were like that you really loved at the end of this. And that's pretty much the story of the next three or the next two rounds here is, is we go through it. All right. So let's break it down. Jonathan Mingo, high second round DC. I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, fifth wide receiver off the board, I think, surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Lands in Carolina. This is a guy that has true outside size, and he's one of few in this class that has true outside size. He's 6'2", 215. He's literally built like A.J. Brown. Yeah. My God. Checks a ton of athletic boxes. Didn't have a lot of production. A little bit on the raw side. Um, Already knows how to use his frame and gain position, though. Has a full route tree. It's just not super refined. Good downfield ability. I think long-term he profiles as a second or third receiver. I don't see like elite wide receiver one in his college film, but the Panthers receiving room is wide open. They have a aging Adam Thielen, a Terrace Marshall who went two years flashing nothing and then finally flashed a little bit and not a hell of a lot else getting rid of DJ Moore. So this is a wide open you know, deal with a big outside receiver that does show some ability. I think he starts week one with Bryce Young. Yeah, with Bryce Young, uh, DJ Chark, other outside guy, Marshall, regulated to the bench. Um, this is a this could be a really big wide receiver though. If they if they wanted to move one of those three inside, yeah, between between Chark, which I doubt Chark would, but between Marshall or Mingo, and then not even worry about Chenault. I mean, not move him inside. They have Adam Thielen. Yeah. Either way, Thielen yeah, plays inside, but he's still a big slot. I, either way, yes. Either way, I think Mingo plays from day one. I agree. And we're going to see this is where, you know, how does he progress with the rookie quarterback and Bryce Young? How that situation all plays out. I, he, he's yeah. got a lot of range of outcomes here. He's got, he's got the right DC, as you said, super high at pick 39. As a whole, it's his best comparable is your favorite wide receiver of all time, Alan Lazard. It's I do like Alan Lazard a lot. I know, uh, I know, I know. But it's but you get it's, it. He's yeah. a he's a success story for me because I was on him, and then he went 
undrafted cut twice and then finally hit. So, um, Mingo to me is one of two guys that have significant upside that we're going to talk about here in the next yeah. two to three rounds. There are other guys that are nice pieces that are going to be perceived to have upside. Mingo has one of the highest range of outcomes with one of the lowest floors for range of outcomes, uh, as does Hyatt, who we'll talk about later, um, out of this kind of grouping of second and third round receivers that have opportunity and not a lot else, I think. He's got skill. I don't want to say not a lot else. He's got skill. He's got size. I just think you'd profile better as a two or three, and I don't see a one on this roster. You know, I don't know how he's going to fare against top coverage initially. Because, again, if Thielen's playing the slot, he's not drawing top outside coverage. So, who is? And I don't think it's it's going to be just a mixture. It's going to be... It's going to be more so they're not going to shadow. They're going to play sides. And it's going to be how does... Mm-hmm. You know, Frank Wright and his coaching staff that are designing these plays and these playbooks are going to design ways to get guys like Mingle the ball and Miles Sanders. And, you know, Charks are very much a one trick pony. Mingle could, I've, like like you said, he's he's raw. He just wasn't used a lot at Ole Miss. He's used in very, very particular ways. Like an other Ole Miss receiver in A.J. Brown, you know, yep. where he comes into the league, very similar DC to AJ Brown. I'm not saying he is, but this is kind of that mold. It's just he was unproductive because Old Miss is was not fucking great. terrible after Lajimore left. Like this was not a good like mm-hmm. it's a bad old miss team. It was bad with elite players and it just got worse. Uh, and he's a big guy that is athletic yes. as hell. So yeah. Yeah, again, that's kind of the DK and AJ Brown mold. He had a four four six forty, ninety six percentile speed score, ninety first burst, um, agility's a little meh, good catch radius. I mean, he's he profiles well. Yeah. So, um, he's got a high range of outcomes. Let's go ahead and talk. You want to talk? Well, let's talk Jaden Reed. I guess we'll just go in order. Jaden Reed, Rashi Rice. Jaden Reed lands with the Packers. I'm sure quarterback situation. Good DC. Not a guy that was on a lot of people's radars because and was actually not on a terrible college team. Um, he, I watched him. He reminds me a lot of Randall Cobb. There's nothing dynamic. He's 5'11", so he's not sized to play outside. Um, he's a slot guy that can work downfield a little bit. Uh, has some actually pretty good deep ball tracking and ball adjustment skills, even though he lacks. He's only a four four five speed guy, so he lacks a lot of deep speed or long speed. Uh, but he's real good at finding soft spots and zones and working over the middle, even though not an exceptional route runner. He's a smart player um, from some of the nuances in his game. He lands in a wide-open receiver room after it's been, well, I want to say wide open. They still have like, Christian Watson there and stuff, but, you know. It's a late second round type of thing for me because of the DC, the opportunity. He's never going to be a one. He's never going to be hyper productive. He could give you some solid floor, though, as like a wide receiver three, four type of depth roster guy. My opinion. Best comparable on player profile to Stefan Diggs. Uh, obviously not Stefan Diggs, but he was productive in the way that he needed to be productive with Michigan State. He was. 5'11", 191, you know, generally profiles as your normal slot receiver could probably play outside of when he's asked to if he can project to that. 
not a maybe not a full time, but whatever. Um, it's the long term outlook of Green Bay. Jordan Love, how long is he there for? Dicey. Um, I, I, it's Watson showed something, but this is going to be one of the lower volume passing offenses in football. Um, with one of the least efficient passing quarterbacks in football. So I, I, I don't know how he hits this year. Taxi squad him. Yeah, he is. I, I, I'm intrigued by him. He's got, you know, 90th percentile breakout age at 18.4, 70th percentile college target share. Obviously, at a yo yards per reception, but that's because that's just how Michigan State that used him. Used. 73rd percentile college dominator at 35.7. He, he he did what he was supposed to do. And if, if the Green Bay quarterback situation gets better, or if Love, for some reason, proves everyone wrong, including Mike LaFleur, then you may have something. It's just this is the new Baltimore. I don't, I know people are excited because they liked Reed. I don't know how anyone can get excited with this landing spot. It just, no, it's open. Sure. Yes. He's going to beat out Romeo Dobbs. Whoop the fucking do is Romeo fucking Dobbs. If I, li- if I like him and I draft him, I'm drafting him. Where did I slide him in at? I could slid him in right around Rashi Rice, who we'll also get to in a second. So, Jay. <laughs> Jaden Reed and Rossi Rice both went top of the third at 301, 302. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> in, in my rookie draft. That's probably where they belong. So. That's uh that's yeah, they're both opposite of the landing spot spectrum. Yeah, they're the, the team around them is different. The players themselves pretty similar. Yeah. Um let's talk Rashi Rice since we bridged it bridged into it. Uh Rashi Rice lands with the Chiefs. That's gonna give a lot of people chubs. Uh, a lot of people gonna gonna be excited about that. And Again, he gets an amazing quarterback. It's the complete opposite. He gets a receiver room that is relatively open, right? Juju left town. Sky Moore started to come on a bit last year. Kadarius Tony can't ever be healthy. Valdez Scantling disappointed when you needed him. Like, there's absolutely opportunity here. Um, Rashi Rice, though, another smaller guy, another slot guy. This is somebody I think they're viewing as a bit of a a bit of a juju replacement potentially out of that role. Um, he was a last season breakout. I don't know what his breakout age was, but just looking at his productivity. Um, 20.4. Yeah. So last season, um, second among vetted prospects and career receptions. That's good. Um, great so- final season, 96 balls, 1300 yards, good at contested catches, good high point, good body positioning. So that does allow him to play outside a little bit as well, even though he's more slot size. Um, you know, overall, the spectacular catchability was good. Uh, there are some flashes of a really, really solid player, but he didn't show a top end speed. He had a lot of fumble and drops problems. I watched three films on most of these guys. He fumbled four times. Um, a lot of Michael Gallup in his game, which <laughs> puts him in the wide receiver two, three conversation is a fair guess at the NFL value and especially playing with the homes. It's an open receiver room. It's all kind of the same thing. It's it's the way I'll put it is this. It's Jaden Reed with worse ball skills as far as fumbling and drop passes and things that'll piss coaches off in a better situation. Yeah, this is <laughs> drafted in the same similar spot as it took Sky Moore last year. This I'm getting Arizona Cardinals vibes when they had three straight years of taking a second round wide receiver that never panned out. Yeah. While playing with Kyler Murray. Um, not to say that's gonna happen. 
I I'm honestly shocked that the that the KC landing spot hasn't propped up his name more. Um, it, again, that just goes to show a. I think people are finally, you know, coming to terms that maybe KC is not the true on my receiver destination we want it to be. Because maybe they just don't know how to draft particularly well when it comes to wide receivers. So we'll see. As you mentioned, he's he has a wide open room to get through six foot two hundred pounds, should be able to from that size alone, should be able to play in and out. You know, four five one forty at that size is pretty meh. Um, so maybe inside possession, as you mentioned, Juju replacement, you know, could be its best fit. They need to find somebody that can fulfill that type of role as you have an aging Kelsey and nobody behind him right. to replace him. They they they're gonna need someone to step up and maybe that guy's rice. There was some buzz from you know, you know, there was some buzz pre draft, but I haven't heard much. His deep ball ability and his ball skills and his ability at a high point and actually win contested catches, I think, does make him an interesting guy that, you know, can play. He's not a big slot, but he can play more like a big slot that actually works downfield because of his ball skills um, and kind of works the seam in the same way Kelsey does. That's just a film observation. His best comparable, Terrace Marshall. There you go. Um, All right. Keeping her moving. The next couple guys that went, I just I don't have any interest in. They don't tickle my fancy. I I don't care about Marvin Mims to Denver, and I kind of don't care about take. I have to care about Tank Dell to Houston because Stroud asked for him, and because I don't care when players ask for players. I don't either. It just never works out the way that they. He's in a wide. He's in a wide open receiver room too, but he's not a guy that I literally tried to watch his tape twice, and I was bored and decided I'd rather go to bed instead. (laughs) <laughs> so 510 no 165 I, I so don't I have no notes on him because opposite, was opposite of a tank yeah. yeah Mims I I did like Mims um but that room is so crowded and while I I do expect things to get shaked up I think I think the Tim I think the Tim Patrick contract is I think he could even get cut this year um I think it's more of an out for next year rumors of them trying to move Sutton or Judy Maybe that room opens up more for them, but it's how can you draft them with a with a large amount of confidence with knowing without yeah. really really knowing what the fuck's going to happen in Denver? You can't, and we're really starting to get into some things that aren't aren't names I like. There's one guy left that I like, and we're finally to him. That's Jalen Hyatt. Um, apparently, I'm higher on Hyatt, Hyatt than a lot of people, but you know, I thought that. If I go back to my notes on Hyatt, I said he reminded me of CD Lamb in a bigger package. He's got elite long speed um, in line with some of the top guys from last season um, as far as what I saw in film, which would have been Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams. Now, I don't think he quite tested there, but size-adjusted speed score, he's bigger. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, he was up there. Shows some nuance to his route running. Uh, I thought he could easily project as a wide receiver one um, or a high end two on a team that already has a one. It's going to be interesting to see how he does with contested balls in the NFL against more athletic defenders, but he was really good at stacking defenders, really good at getting himself open and then making people pay for that. Um, You know, so it's an interesting pick. There's some bust potential there, but he's a third rounder. That's not getting high DC and rookie drafts. 
and he landed on the Giants, where his most productive competition right now today is Isaiah Hodgins. So there's a similar type of player to Hodgins, I think, as far as you know, deep ball ability, different as far as not just size, but but speed. And this is a team that I think is going to set up to try to, you know, grind you down with Danny Dimes and and Saquon running footballs. They bring in Darren Waller um, to work some of that mid game. And then they're going to take deep shots. And Hyatt's a guy that I think has some big playability. I saw some people make Will Fuller comparisons. He's not quite that level of a burner. But I love the landing spot because I think it's wide open. It's a quarterback that the Giants committed to that showed progress last year. And he made Isaiah Hodgins productive, granted very touchdown dependent, but productive over the last part of the season, and they desperately need help. And he showed NFL caliber talent. That's where I'm at on Hyatt. He he should start. I have to imagine, just given what the wide receiver room looks like, each his competition out on the field is going to be Darius Slayton. Hodgins will likely start with Wandell Robinson there, maybe Manning in the slot, playing in and out. Hyatt's also 20 pounds lighter than CeeDee Lamb, two inches smaller. Um, six foot, 176, best comparable to Diami Brown. Bill my comparison, f- not for him. Yeah, I know, I know. My, 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 my concern is, is he'll get typecast and he'll yeah. be a, a deep threat. That'll have some big plays. Um, doesn't have the size you want to regularly work him over the middle. Um, just given his smaller frame, big play potential is obviously there. Like he he ran a four flat. That's still good. Yes, yeah. speed score is slow, but you you weigh in at one seventy six. You're not going to test exceptionally well weighing in at one seventy six. Which is which is funny because uh, you know he was supposed to run faster than four four. A lot of people picked him as as a sub four three guy. Which again, I don't really care at that point. They're all going to be, you know, fast on film. They're four fast three on eight film. to four four. You're going about two one hundreds of a second. Yeah, it doesn't it's a half a step in a hundred meter dash. It doesn't really matter, but it's going to be how quickly can he overtake? Which my guess would be Darius Slayton, who is I think particularly bigger than him. Where does he fit into the Giants' offense? Um. Right I'm intrigued. Now. I think he's in the same batch of where the rest of these receivers are at that that aren't, you know, that weren't the top four picks. It's going to be preference. And and if you liked him or not, you you like him. So this spot should not change anything for you. Yep. And right now his competition is Paris Campbell, who couldn't stick in Indy, even though people liked him. Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. He's got to be forgot one about of those Paris guys. Campbell. He's got to be one of those guys. It, it it may be a late season, maybe doesn't as they're trying to, you know, you know, he'll have his, his one role of working deep, maybe as a wide receiver four or five, and then he, he works his way into more of a role. Yeah. He's That's, also one of the last guys I'm interested in for year one productivity going down this list. Because when you start to get behind him, I run out of things that I like for year one productivity. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, can Tillman beat out DPJ, which would be his only competition. Which I did DPJ, I liked a lot last year. Yeah. I didn't really see a huge. That, that's Downs, probably a year two thing at the, at the best. Josh Downs is not athletic enough to beat out Pierce, and he's Ooh. not beating out Pittman. So, run, run offense to be, to be tethered to now, yeah. moving to a hyper mobile court. 
Michael Wilson and the Cardinals might be intriguing if I knew who the hell Michael Wilson was. So I got to look into that. I don't trust any Arizona wide receiver draft picks. So yeah, well, the, the, it's it's opportunity is what that one is. Sure. <laughs> and then you go to beyond your one guys. I don't care about Darius Davis. I'm looking at Charlie Jones and Andre Yoshevis in the Bengal that landed with the Bengals, who land in kind of succession planning. They're not going to beat out Boyd or. Or Higgins, but Boyd and Higgins are nearing the end of their deals. So you look at those guys as more year two, year three, like practice squad stashes. A.T. Perry with the Saints lands with some opportunity there. Trey Palmer was a bigger bodied athletic guy out of Nebraska landing with the Bucks. I'm sure QB situation, but with Evans and Godwin nearing the end of their run there. There's some longer term intrigue in some of these names, but there's nothing else beyond that that I look at and I'm like, Man, I don't think we're gonna get really anything from strikes me. Probably any of these guys, you know, Keishon Butte was the Debbie Darling with his short breakout with LSU. Massive work worth ethic concerns there. Yeah. Um six Not, round pick. I'm seeing our boy Brad Brad uh just hyping him up. He can't get off of him. So you gotta change your Debbie mindset. Um when people burn you and Debbie. But yeah. I, I don't look at the, any of these guys as we'll see. I mean, I guess if the Bengals have an injury, you could see something out of Jones or Yoshevis. But for the most part, I don't look at any of these guys absent some major shifting and see year one productivity. A couple guys I like for year two. Tyler Scott with the Bears is an intriguing gadget guy. But that's... Yeah. And Booty, like Keishon Boutte, like you said, um... You know, Brad's hyping him up. Love Brad to death. Sixth round DC, not what you'd hope for. Does land in an area with some opportunity as well with the Patriots. So, I yeah, you're crap. You get down to this point is it's open yep. to prayer. If you don't get in, basically at the Hyatt level, you're picking from a guy that you believe in long term, not with their current spot. That ends. That ends. All right. Dalton Kincaid lands in Buffalo. That's bad news for Dawson Knox. I love Dawson Knox. That's bad news for Dawson Knox. That is uh that is very bad news. And this is Buffalo's response to seeing four wide receivers taken ahead of them when they desperately need a number two. They have to they, compete with KC. And I saw a lot of Kelsey yeah. in, nah, in uh Kincaid's game, and now all of a sudden they end up yeah. with a stud tight end. Knox is going to be there until probably next season. But Knox will be there. Yeah. I mean, he he also provides them with other. Again, this is not a is this pass catching room just really isn't. It's digs and then a bunch of jags. And, and, um, I said it. Davis, yeah, I said, yeah, the bunch of digs with the bunch of jags there and them watching their probably top four receivers go all all ahead of them. They had like, I think they would have gone receiver at this spot for sure. I think so too, but they needed to go pass catcher yes. and they knew it. They needed they to get Allen one to run yes. last, and so they went Kincaid. Uh again, ties tight ends. You don't don't expect much from them this year. You want productivity for Kincaid? Yeah, he still has to get work. He still has to steal work too. from Knox. Yeah, he still has to take that work away. Yep. Uh, Sam Laporta, another athletic tight end to the Lions again. It's a spot where there's not anybody there, so you'll keep an eye on that. Uh, he's a guy that I like to be productive. 
Michael Mayer, more of a bigger blocking tight end. Uh, you know, I think you end up with him kind of like what you got out of Adam Troutman, who a lot of people liked and then just never hit his productive. He went to the Raiders. Mayor's uh, got it. I mean, it's it's he's gonna start day one. He will. Like there's nobody the Porta, there to take that spot from him. The Porter probably will, but at least he has competition yeah. for targets. Musgrave probably will too. Yeah. Oof. So Musgrave, another athletic. This is a really athletic tight end class. There's a lot of tight ends here. Fucking Green Bay. You look at and you're just like, I'm gonna take a shot because there's a lot of athleticism and there's a lot of landing spots. Green Bay took two. They took Musgrave and Kraft, and they're both draftable. They both went. They both went athletic pass catchers. Yep. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker in Dallas. That one's at least interesting if you like Peyton Henderson shot or whatever. That's another body to put into that competition. Uh, Britton Strange, really the only guy in that range you don't have some intrigue with landing with. Uh, why did Jacksonville? I don't even remember Jacksonville taking the tight end there. I don't know why they did. Why? That's that's a that's a strange draft pick. Yeah. I mean, up and down, right? Those are all guys. So you look, Kincaid, obviously the best of the bunch. Laporta, Mayor, Musgrave, uh, Kraft, all have wide open tight end rooms for the yeah. most part. And then you um, get Darnell Washington. You get Schoonmaker and Washington who don't, but yeah, Schoonmaker is going to have a shot yeah. at some point down the line. Yeah. Washington with Friar Muth is really intriguing. I, I'm a little. Maybe Pittsburgh's going. A lot more, like a lot heavy. more two tight ends because what they had, their offensive Washington line needed a wall of a blocker. It's not good for fantasy, but yeah. man, they needed help there. But it, it's going to get Washington onto the field early on. He's going to, especially in those two tight end sets. Firemuth, there's been some injuries so far. Um, you know that tight ends take a long time to get there. Washington already has the hardest part down. It's on his that can translate to him into the NFL, which. Not hundred percent guarantee. He's got he's got everything you want. It's just a is he gonna get, is he gonna put it together? And and unfortunately, Pittsburgh's the one spot where there's not gonna be a, a lot of opportunity for pass catching work. Yeah, with with the healthy Firemuth. Yep. Other guys that stand out. Uh, Josh Wiley lands in Tennessee. Another athletic guy. Uh, he's gonna land with Chig, which who broke out late last year. Will Mallory to the Colts. They. The Colts with Will Mallory are a lot like the Cowboys with Luke Schoonmaker. They've had guys that have flashed a little bit that you kind of like, but no one's taken a hold of it yet. Payne Durham to the Bucks. Cade Otten is there. Durham's kind of a big, bulky, I'm going to carry eight defenders with me, but not hyper-athletic, so he's at least interesting. And then Zach Coods to the Jets is the other one that I re- I love this. It's, 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 uh, it's not good DC. but It's a tight end who fucking cares. <laughs> the most he, athletic tight end next to Mike Kitsecki. He's huge. He's got great athleticism and he lands in a tight end room that has a couple guys splitting duties right now, which is a lot easier to carve your way into. He it might take a little bit for him to get going. Obviously 24 years old by the time the season starts, but if an opportunity opens up for them with the Jets, I I or if he does get caught or, or land somewhere else. Hyper athleticism. That's that's those are the those are the guys we like to take our stabs on. If if the production is not there, if, if there was basketball highlights of Kuhn's dunking a basketball, you'd have been a first round pick. Yeah. So it's all tied in the scene. Just have just have 
you dunking a basketball, a part of your highlight reel, and you will be a, a day two pick, no worse. <laughs> I think that's it. That is it. We're done. We'll be back next week about something or another. <laughs> we'll be back hey. next week to talk about things. I really don't know, actually. Let me look at that real quick. I want to say it's something to do with with buys or cells. I don't do buys. It Maybe it's, I don't know. Reaction was I just cool. looked at it. Uh, rookie mock draft. Rookie mock draft. There you go. Well, we have three people. We can do that. And then a break the following week. Perfect. So rookie mock draft next week. That's what we're doing. Two QB. Four rounder. Boom. Boom. Uh, should we tell Ryan or should we just let him figure it out? He does enough rookie mocks. So let's let him figure it out on the fly. He he he'll he'll be fine. All right, cool. See ya. See ya.